10. People of the Bantak area, to three or more feet, as among needed by Lao of southeastern wave of Iskaya. The latter people nightly place these long spikes, called Lukdun, in the trails leading to their dwellings. They are placed at a considerable angle, and would impale an intruder in the groin or upper thigh, inflicting a cruel and disabling wound. The shorter spikes either cut through the bottom of the foot or stab the instep or leg near the ankle. They are much dreaded, and, though crude, are very effective weapons. Metal weapons The metal spear blade or head is a product of Igra workmanship. Baliwang, situated about six hours north of Bantak, makes most of the metal spear blades used in the Bantak area. Sakao, located about a day and a half to the south, makes excellent metal blades, but they seldom reach the Bantak culture area. Although blades of inferior production from Sapao are found in Ambawan, the southernmost pueblo of the area, Baliwan has four smithies, in each of which two or three men labor, each man in a smithy performing a separate part of the work. One operates the bellows, another feeds the fire and does the heavy striking during the initial part of the work, and the other the real blade maker. The artist directs all the labor, and performs the finer and finishing parts of the blade production. The smithies are about 12 feet square with outside walls. They have a grass roof sloping to within 3 feet of the earth, enlarging the shaded area to near 20 feet square. Near one side of the room is the bellows, called opus opus, consisting of two vertical, parallel wooden tubes about 5 feet long and 10 inches in diameter, standing side by side. Each tube has a piston or plunger, called dot dot. The packing ring of the piston is of wood covered with chicken feathers making it slightly flexible at the rim, so it fits snugly in the tube. The lower end of the bellows tubes rests in the earth, four inches above which a small bamboo tube leads the compressed air to the fireplace from each bellows tube. These small tubes, called tubong, and near an opening through a brick at the back of the fire, and the air forced through them passes on through the brick to the burning charcoal. The outer end of the tubong is cut at an angle, and as the tubes end outside the opening in the brick, the air in briefed by the bellows, as the plungers are raised, is drawn from back of the fireplace thus the fire is not disturbed. The fuel is an inferior charcoal prepared by the Igral from pine. This bellows is found throughout the archipelago and is evidently a Malayan product. It is believed that it came to Bantak with the Igral from their earlier home and is not, as some say, a Chinese invention. The Igral manufacturer of metal pipes uses exactly the same kind of bellows, except that it is very much smaller and so appears like a toy. It is poorly shown in place CIX. Much of the iron now employed in the manufacture of Igra weapons is Chinese bar iron coming from China to the islands at Can, in Ilocos Sur. However, the people readily make weapons from any iron they may acquire, greatly preferring the scraps of broken Chinese cast iron pots. Vessels purchased primarily for making sugar. In his choice of cast iron the Igra exhibits a practical knowledge of metallurgy. Since cast iron makes better steel than wrought iron that island as he has to work. Figure 5 Ironsmith Stone Hammer. The anvils of the smithy, numbering 4 or 5, are large rocks set solidly in the earth. The hammers are nearly all stone, though some of the workmen have a small iron hammer used in finishing the weapons. There are several varieties of stone hammers. One weighing about 30 pounds is 16 inches long, 10 inches wide, and from 4 to 6 inches thick. An inch deep groove is cut in both edges of the hammer, and into these grooves the short, double wooden handle is attached by a wide, another hammer, similar to the above in shape and attachment, is about one third its size and weight, 
there is a still smaller hammer lashed with leather bands to a single, straight wooden handle, and there is also a round hammer stone about 3 inches in diameter without handle or attachment, which hammer, together with the larger one last mentioned, is largely superseded in some of the smithies by the metal hammer. The bellows operator sits squatting on a slight platform the height of the bellows, and constantly works the plungers up and down with rhythmic strokes. Two men at first handle the hot iron one. The real blade maker holds the white hot metal with long-handled iron pinchers purchased in Canon and his helper wields the 30-pound hammer. He stands with legs well apart, grasps the heavy hammer with both hands, and swings it back and forth between his legs. The blow is struck at the downward, backward swing. These smiths weld iron, and also temper it to make steel. The following detailed picture of the welding observed in a valley one smithy may be duplicated there any day. The two pieces of iron to be welded were separately heated a dull red. One was then laid on the other and both were cooled with water. Wet earth, gathered for the occasion at the side of the smithy, was then put over them, while still covered they were inserted again in the fire. When red hot they were withdrawn. The little mound of earth covering the two pieces of iron being still in place but having been brought also to a red heat, a few light blows fell on the red mass, and it was again returned to the fire. Four times the iron was withdrawn and received a few blows with a light hammer wielded by the master smith. On being withdrawn the fifth time half a dozen blows were struck by the helper with the 30-pound hammer. Again the iron was heated, but when removed the sixth time the welding was evidently considered finished. As the shaping of the weapon was then begun, weldings made by these smiths seem to be complete. The tempering done by the Idro is crude, and is such as may be seen in any country blacksmith shop in the States. The iron is heated and is tempered by cooling in a small wooden through of water. There is great difference in the quality of the steel turned out by the Idro, even by the same man. Though some men are recognized as more skillful than others, there are four styles of spear blades made by Bali Wong. The one most common is called Felfeg. It is a simple, single barbed blade, and ranges from 2 inches to 6 inches in length. This style of blade is the most used in warfare, and the smaller, lighter blades are considered better for this purpose than the heavier ones. The Fankao, or barbless lance blade, is next common in use. It is not a war blade, but is used almost entirely in killing carabatos and hogs. There is one notable exception to this statement and Bawan has almost no other class of spear. These blades range from 4 to 12 or 14 inches in length. The other two blades, Asinolo WI-10 and Kian, are relatively rare. The former is quite similar to the Felfeg, except that instead of the single pair of barbs there are other barbs say, from 1 to 10 pairs. This spear is not considered at all serviceable as a hunting spear, and is not used in war as much as is the Felfeg. It is prized highly as an Anito scarer. When a man passes alone in the mountains Anito are very prone to walk with him, however, if the traveler carries a sign WI-10, Anito will not molest him, since they are afraid when they see the formidable array of barbs. Kayan is a gracefully formed blade not used in hunting, and employed less in war than is a sign WI-10. Though the Idril has almost nothing in his culture for purely aesthetic purposes, Yet he ascribes no purpose for the Kayan he says it looks pretty, but I have seen it carried to war by war parties. The Pueblo of Sapao makes superior looking steel weapons, though many Idro claim the steel of the Baliwang spear is better than that from Sapao. In Kuyongan I saw a Fankao, or lance-shaped blade made in Sapao, having six faces on each side. 
the five lines separating the faces ran from the tank to the point of the blade, and were as regular and perfect as the machine made. The best class of sapa blades is readily distinguishable by its regular lines and the smooth and perfect surface finish. All spearheads are fastened to the wooden shaft by a short haft or tang inserted in the wood. An iron ferrule or a braided bijuco ferrule is employed to strengthen the shaft where the tang is inserted. A conical iron ferrule or cap is also placed on the butt of the shaft. This ferrule is often used, as the spear is always stuck in the earth close at hand when the warrior works any distance from home, and as he passes along the steep mountain trails or carries heavy burdens he commonly uses the spear shaft as a staff. The spear shafts are made by the owner of the weapon, it not being customary for anyone to produce them for sale. Some of them are rather attractively decorated with brass and copper studs, and a few have red and yellow bijuco ferrules near the blade. In some pueblos of the Bontoc area, as at May in it, spear shafts are worked down and eventually smoothed and finished by a flexible bamboo knife blade machine. It consists of about a dozen blades 8 or 10 inches in length fastened together side by side with string. The blades lie one overlapping the other like the slats of an American window shutter. Each projecting blade is sharpened to a chisel edge. The machine is grasped in the hand, as shown in figure 6, and is slid up and down the shaft with a slight twisting movement obtained by bending the wrist. The machine becomes a flexible, many-bladed plane. Baliwanalo makes the genuine Bontoc battle axe. It is a strong, serviceable blade of good temper and is hafted to a short, strong, straight wooden handle which is strengthened by a ferrule of iron or braided bijuco. The axe has a slender point opposed to the bent or cutting edge of the blade. This point is often thrust in the earth and the upturned blade used as a stationary knife, on which the idro cuts meats and other substances by drawing them lengthwise along the sharp edge. The bent of the axe is at a small angle with the front and back edges of the blade, and is nearly a straight line. The axes are kept keen and sharp by whetstones collected and preserved solely for the purpose. Biso, near Sagada, quarries and barters a good grade of whetstone. Figure 6 Bamboo Spear Shaft Dresser, a slender, long-handled battle axe now and then comes into the area in trade from the north. Valbelison, of Old Abra Province, but now in the northern part of extended Bontoc Province, is one of the pueblos which produce this beautiful axe. The blade is longer and very much slimmer than the Bontoc blade, but its marked distinguishing feature is the shape of the cutting edge. The blade is ground onto straight lines joined together by a short curved line, giving the edge the striking form of the beak of a rapacious bird. The slender, graceful handle, always fitted with a long iron ferrule, has a process on the underside near the middle. The handle is also usually fitted with a decorated metal ferrule at the tip and frequently is decorated for its full length with bands of brass or tin, or with sheets of either metal artistically incised. The Balbellison axe is not used by the Pueblos making it, or at least by many of them, but finds its field of usefulness east and northeast of Bontoc Pueblo as far as the foothills of the mountains west of the Rio Grande de Cagayan. I was told by the Kalinga of this latter region that the people in the mountain close to the Cagayan in the vicinity of Cabagan Nuevo, Isabella Province, also use this axe. In the southern and western part of the Bontoc area the battle axe shares place with the Bolo, the sole hand weapon of the Igru of adjoining Lepanto, Bangat, and Nueva Vizcaya provinces. The Bolo within the Bontoc area comes from Sapao and from the Ilocano people of the west coast. The southern Pueblo in the Bontoc area, Ambawan, uses the bolo of sapa to the entire exclusion of the battle axe. Tulubin, 
the next Pueblo to Imbalan, and only an hour from it, uses almost solely the Baliwan battle axe, such Pueblos as Didapan and Enidao, about three hours west of Bantuk, use both the axe and Bolo, while the Pueblos further west, as Aguwa, Sagada, Baluli, Alop, etc. use the Bolo exclusively frequently on Ilocano weapon, the Sapabolo island in appearance, superior to that of Ilocano manufacture. It is a broad blade swelling markedly toward the center, and is somewhat similar in shape to the barong of the Sulu Moral of the Sulu Archipelago. This weapon finds its chief field of use in the Quayongan and Banai areas. In these districts the bolu is fitted with an open scabbard, and the bright blade presents a novel appearance lying exposed against the red scabbard. The Idro manufacturer of the bolu does not make the scabbard and most of the bolos used within the Bantok area are sheathed in the closed wooden scabbard commonly found in Lepanto and Bangat. Pipe production, and smoking the igru of Bantok area make pipes of wood, clay, and metal. All their pipes have small bores and bowls. In Bangat a wooden pipe is commonly made with a bowl an inch and a half in diameter, it has a large bore also. In Benai I obtained a wooden pipe with a bowl 814 inches in circumference and 4 inches in height but having a bore averaging only half an inch in diameter. Nearly all Pueblos make the pipes they use, but pipes of clay and metal are manufactured by the Idro for Idro trade. I never learned that wooden pipes are made by them for commercial purposes. The wooden pipe of the area varies from simple tubular forms, exactly like a modern cigar holder, to those having bowls set at right angle to the stem. All wooden pipes are whittled by the men, and some of them are very graceful in form and have an excellent polish. They are made of at least three kinds of wood GASHAN, LANOTI, and GIGAT. Most pipes wooden, clay, or metal have separable stems. A few men in Agawa, a pueblo near the western border of the area, make beautiful clay pipes, called Kinolo SAB. The clay is carefully macerated between the fingers until it is soft and fine. It is then roughly shaped by the fingers, and afterwards, when partially hardened, is finished with a set of five light wooden tools. The finished bowls are in three different colors. When baked about nine hours the pipes come forth gray. Those coming out red have been burned about twelve hours, usually all night. The black ones are made by reburning the red bowls about half an hour in poly straw. Two men in Sabandan and one each in Jugan and Takong all western pueblos manufacture metal anito pipes. Today brass wire and the metal of cartridge shells are most commonly employed in making these pipes. The process of manufacture is elaborate and very interesting. First a beeswax model is made the exact size and shape of the finished metal pipe. All beeswax, called a TID, used in pipe making comes from barling through canoe, and the illustration place CDII shows the form in which it passes in commerce in the area. A small amount of wax is softened by a fire until it can be flattened in the palm of the hand. It is then rolled around a stick the size of the bore in the bowl. The outside of the wax bowl is next designed as is shown in the illustration place CDII. A careful examination of the illustration will show that the design represents the sitting figure of a man. He is resting his elbows on his knees and holding his lower jaw in his hands eyes, ears, nose, mouth, and fingers are all represented. This design is made in the wax with a small knife. The wax for the short stem piece is flattened and folded around a stick the size of the bore of the stem. The stem piece is then set into the bowl and the design which was started on the bowl is continued over the stem. When the wax pipe is completed a projecting point of wax is attached to the base of the pipe, 
and the whole is embedded in a clay jacket, the point of wax. However, projecting from the jacket, the clay used by the pipe maker is obtained in a pin at pigment in the vicinity of Jnugan. Around the wax point a clay funnel is built. The clay mold, called Bang Bang A is thoroughly baked by a fire. In less than an hour the mold is hardened and brown, and the wax pipe within it has melted and the wax been poured out of the mold through the gate or opening left by the melting point of wax, leaving the mold empty. A small Malayan bellows, called Opus Opus, the exact duplicate in miniature of the double tubular bellows described in the preceding section on metal weapons, furnishes the draft for a small charcoal fire. The funnel of the clay mold is filled with pieces of metal, and the entire thing is buried in the fired charcoal. In 15 minutes the metal melts and runs down through the gate at the bottom of the funnel into the hollow, wax-lined mold. Since the entire mold is hot, the metal does not cool or harden promptly, and the pipe maker taps and jars the mold in order to make the metal penetrate and fill every part. The mold is set aside to cool and is then broken away from the metal core. Today the pipe maker possesses a file with which to smooth and clean the crude pipe. Formerly all that labor, and it is extensive was performed with stones. It requires two men to make the Anito pipes in Alaska Chago. One superintends all the work and performs the finest of it, and the second pumps the bellows and smooths and cleans the pipe after it is cast. The two men make four pipes per day, but the purchaser of an Anito pipe puts days of toil on the metal, smoothing and perfecting it by cleaning and digging out the design until it becomes really a beautiful bit of primitive art. When a Pueblo wants a few tin Alaska Chago it sends for the manufacturer, and he comes to the Pueblo with his helper and remains as long as necessary. Iona, of Jnugan, annually visits Titipan, Ankiling, Sagadot, Bontoc, and Samoki. He usually furnishes all material, and receives a pesetta for each pipe. But the Pueblo furnishes the food. In this way a pipe maker is a journeyman about half the year. Tukukan makes a smooth, cast metal pipe called Penny Poyam, and Paliwan makes tubular iron pipes at her smithies. They are hammered out and pounded and welded over a core. I have seen several of such excellent workmanship that the welded seam could not be detected on the surface. In the western part of the area both men and women smoke, and some smoke almost constantly. Throughout the areas occupied by Christians children of six or seven years smoke a great deal. I have repeatedly seen girls not over six years of age smoking rolls of tobacco, cigars, a foot long and more than an inch in diameter, but in Bontoc area small children do not smoke, in most of the area women do not smoke at all, and boys seldom smoke until they reach maturity, in Bontoc the tobacco leaf for smoking is rolled up and pinched off in small sections an inch or so in length, these pieces are then wrapped in a larger section of leaf. When finished for the pipe the tobacco resembles a short stub of a cigar. Only half a dozen whiffs are generally taken at a smoke. And the pipe with its tobacco is then tucked under the edge of the pocket hat. Four pipes in five as they are seen sticking from a man's hat show that the owners stopped smoking long before they exhausted their pipes. Fire making the oldest instrument for fire making used by the Bantanka grill is now seldom found. However, practically all boys of a dozen years know how to make and use it. It is called Company Lily, and is a friction machine made of two pieces of dry bamboo. A two-foot section of dead and dry bamboo is split lengthwise and in one piece a small area of the stringy tissue lining the tube is splintered and picked quite loose. Immediately over this, on the outside of the tube, a narrow groove is cut at right angles to it. This piece of bamboo becomes the stationary lower part of the fire machine. 
one edge of the other half of the original tube is sharpened like a chisel blade. This section is grasped in both hands, one at each end, and is at first slowly and heavily, afterwards more rapidly, drawn back and forth through the groove of the stationary bamboo, making a small conical pile of dry dust beneath the opening. After a dozen strokes the sides of the groove and the edge of the friction piece burn brown. Presently a smell of smoke is plain, and before three dozen strokes have been made smoke may be seen. Usually before 100 strokes a larger volume of smoke tells that the dry dust constantly falling on the pile has grown more and more charred until finally a tiny friction-fired particle falls, carrying combustion to the already heated dust cone. The machine is carefully raised, and, if the fire is permanently kindled, the pinch of smoldering dust is inserted in a wisp of dry grass or other easily inflammable material, in a minute or two flames burst forth, and the fire may be transferred where desired. The Peltin, the worldwide flint and steel percussion fire machine, is found with all the top men. At Sagada there is a ledge of exposed and crumbling rock from which most of the men of the western part of the Bantok culture area obtain their flint. The steel is any piece of iron which may be had probably a part of the ferrule from the butt of a spear shaft is used more than is any other one kind of iron. The pelting is secured either in a very small basket or a leather roll which is fastened closed by a string. In this receptacle a small amount of dry tree cotton is also carried. The pelting receptacle is carried about in the large bag hanging at the girdle. Fire is made by a tiny percussion heated particle of the stone as it flies away under the sharp glancing blow of the steel and catches in the dry cotton held by the thumbnail on the upper surface of the stone. If the fire maker wishes to light his pipe, he tucks the smoldering cotton lightly into his roll of tobacco, a few draws are sufficient to ignite the pipe fill. If an out-of-door fire is desired the cotton is first used to ignite a dry bunch of grass. Should the fire be needed in the dwelling, the cotton is placed on charcoal. Blowing and care will produce a good, blazing wood fire in a few minutes. Today friction matches are known throughout the area, although probably not one person in 100 has ever owned a box of matches. The fire syringe, common west of Bantok province among the Tengen, is not known in the Bantok culture area. Division of labor under this title must be grouped all forms of occupations which are considered necessary to the life of the Pueblo. Up to the age of 5 or 6 years Bantok children do not work, as has been said in a previous chapter. During the months of April and May many little girls from 5 to 10 work and play together for long hours daily gathering a few varieties of wild plants close about the Pueblo for food for the pigs. This labor is unnecessary as soon as the camote vines become large enough for gathering. During June and July these same girls gather the camote vines for pig food. About August this labor falls to the women. Mention has also been made of the fact that during the latter half of April and May the boys and girls of all ages from 6 or 7 years to 13 or 14 guard the polycementers against the birds from earliest dawn till heavy twilight. Little girls often help about the dwelling by pairing commotes for the forthcoming meal. At all times the elder children, both boys and girls, are baby tenders while their parents work. Man is the sole hunter and warrior and he alone fishes when traps or snares are employed. Only men go to the mountains to cut and bring home firewood and lumber for building purposes. Widowed women sometimes bring home dead fallen wood found along the trails. Only men construct the various private and public buildings. They alone build the stone dikes of the cementers and construct the irrigating ditches and dams. They transport to the Pueblo most of the harvested poly. They manufacture and vend basi, and prepare the salted meats. 
they make all weapons, and all implements and utensils for field and household laborers, contrary to a widespread custom among primitive people, as has been noted, the Igro man constructs all basket work, whether hats, baskets, trays, or ornaments, and bindings of weapons and implements, men are the workers of all metal and stone, they are the only car getters, though in the Gap area of Bangat province women sometimes go on the trails as paid burden bearers for Americans, only men are said to tattoo and circumcise, they determine the days of rest and of ceremony for the Pueblo, and all Pueblo ceremonies are in their hands, so also are the ceremonies of the auto only men are priests, except for private household ceremonials, men constitute the control element of the Pueblo, they are the legislative, executive, and judicial power for the Pueblo and each auto, they are considered the wisdom of their people, and they alone, it is said, give public advice on important matters, the woman is the only weaver of fabrics and the only spinner of the materials of which the fabrics are made, on the west coast the Ilocano men do a great deal of the spinning, but the Igro man has not imitated them in the industry, though he has often seen them, women are the sole potters of Samoki, and they alone transport and vend their wares to other pueblos, in the main at salt industry only the woman tends the salt house, gathering the crude salt solution, only the women plant the rice seed, and they alone transplant the poly, they also care for the growing plants and harvest most of the crops. In the transplanting and harvesting of poly the woman is given credit for greater dexterity than the man, men harvest poly only when sufficient women cannot be found. Women plant, care for, harvest, and transport to the Pueblo all commodes, millet, maize, and beans. The men and women together construct and repair irrigated cementers men usually digging the earth while the women transport it. Together they prepare the soil of irrigated cementers, and carry manure to them from the pigpens. Men at times do the women's work in harvesting, and women sometimes assist the men to carry the harvest to the Pueblo, either threshes out and hulls the rice. Though the woman does more than half this work, both prepare foods for cooking, cook the meals, and serve them. Both bring water from the river for household uses. Though the woman brings the greater part, each tends the babe while the other works in the field, both care for the chickens and pigs, even to cooking the food for the latter. Men and women catch fish by hand in the river, manufacture tapui, and in the salt industry both evaporate the salt solution and vend the salt. In the treatment of the sick and the driving out of afflicting anito, men and women alike serve. Little work is demanded of the old people, though the laborers they perform are of great value to the Pueblo as the strong are thus given more time for a vigorous industrial life. Great service is rendered the Pueblo by the councils of the old men, and they are the priests of all ceremonials, except those of the household. The old men do practically nothing at manual labor in the field. However, numbers of old men and women guard the polycementers from the birds, and they frequently tend their grandchildren about the Pueblo. They also bring water from the river to the dwelling. Old women seem generally busy. They prepare and cook foods, and they spin materials for women's skirts and girdles. The blind women share in these labors, even going to the river for water. By labor of the group is meant the common effort of two or more people whose everyday possessions and accumulations are not in common, as they are in a family, to perform some definite labor which can be better done by such effort than by the separate laborers of the several members of the group. A Pueblo war probably represents the largest necessary group occupation because at such time all available warriors unite in a concerted effort, 
Next to this, though possibly coming before it, is the group assembled for the erection of a dwelling. As has been noted, all dwellings are built by a group, and when a rich man's domicile is to be put up a great many people assemble the men to erect the dwelling, and the women to prepare and cook the food. A great deal of agricultural labor is performed by the group. New irrigation ditches are built by, or at the instance of, all those who will benefit by them. The dam built annually across the river at Bontoc Pueblo is constructed by all, or at the instance of all, who benefit from the additional irrigation water. Wild carabados are hunted by a group of men, and the domestic carabados can be caught only when several men surround and attack them. All inter-Pueblo commerce is carried on by a group of people. Almost never does a person pass from one Pueblo to another alone, and commerce is the chief thing which causes the inter-Pueblo communication. These groups of traveling merchants consist of from two or three persons to a dozen or more as in the case of the Samoki pottery sellers. Wages and exchange of labor the woman receives the same wage as the man. There are two reasons why she should. First, all labor is by the day. So the facts of sickness and maternity never keep the woman from her labor when she is expected and is depended on, and, second, she is as efficient in the labor she performs as is the man in some she is recognized as more efficient. She does as much work as a man, and does it as well or better. It is worth so much to have a certain work done in a particular time, and the girl pays the wage to whomever does the work. The growing boy or girl who performs the same labors as an adult receives an equal wage. Not only do the people work by the day, but they are paid daily also. Every night the laborer goes to the dwelling of his employer and receives the wage. The wages of unmarried children are paid to their parents. To all classes of laborers dinner and sometimes supper is supplied. For weeding and thinning the cementers of young pottery and for watching the fruiting pottery to drive away the birds. The only wage is these two meals. But this labor is light. And frightening away the birds is usually the work of children or very old people who cannot perform hard labors. In all classes of work for which only food is given. Much time is left to the laborers in which the men may weave their basket work and the women spin the bark fiber thread for skirts. Five manojos of pottery is the daily wage for all laborers except those mentioned in the last paragraph. This is the wage of the wood gatherer in the mountains, of the builder of granaries, cementers, irrigating ditches, and dikes, and of those who prepare soils and who plant and harvest crops. There is much exchange of labor.